Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jared. We're starting equipment. Today we're doing intermezzo number something. I've lost count. What are we talking about today, Jared? We're going to be talking about secret keeping. When you should have your players keep secrets from each other and when you shouldn't. This is largely a secret between GM and a subset of your players. It is rare to have your players keep a secret from the GM and have it work, but there are some games that do let that happen. Yeah. That's usually a thing that you can only do at the start of a campaign. When and why would we want people to keep secrets? Let's do like a quick pros and cons and then tell some stories about it. The biggest obvious pro is you get to you get to have the big reveal, right? You get to keep your character mysterious, you get to have something like hidden in the back that other players don't to know until it and when it happens finally oh so that's what you do or, or like you get to introduce something new to the game yeah the biggest con is that it is more for the gm to keep track of which in a lot of games is already like nearing the max on what a normal person can handle yeah another pro for the player you don't have to do the the mental calculus of like okay what was in and out of character what does my character remember versus what i remember which usually isn't that big a problem but for particularly long games or game where you have big breaks between sessions you actually have to stem like wait did that happen do we just talk about that what's going on i know that does my character know that and the other major con is that like some players find it stressful to keep secrets from the group and we're here to have fun we're not not here to be stressed so obviously if your players don't want to do this you shouldn't do this i personally as a gm i know there are lots of styles on games and some people like to keep it episodic and relatively surface level and just like have a a lot of fun we really like to have a lot of catharsis in our games we like to have long-term story backed up by dramatic emotional shifts in our characters like that is how yeah our particular group you know we have a game that we've been playing for almost seven years now the same campaign right we've been playing weekly for almost seven years our characters are not remotely the same people they were when they started not even a little my character started off as a joke For those of you listeners who have seen King of the Hill, Ryan's character basically started off as Dale Gribble, who believed in the supernatural. And then over time, with more experience, he actually became competent and he couldn't be Dale Gribble anymore. Yeah, and now he's like a paramilitary, actually talented... Commando. Yeah, he basically is a commando at this point. Also a werewolf, but you know, here we are. I know a lot of people don't like it. You know, another con, right? Uh, You don't get to tell each other about the cool stuff you're doing. And that really is probably actually the biggest con. That's the thing where you're like, you just have to sit on it for a long time and it can be really like, I want to tell my friends, I want to tell my friends. But some of the reveals you get make it all worth it. So what I do, whenever we start a new campaign, part of session zero for me is, hey, are we cool with keeping secrets from each other? Do we want everything on the table? Is it, do we not? Yeah. And whatever the group decides, we'll go with. You can have a good game where you don't keep any secrets. But I will say in this almost seven year game of what was once Hunter, and we still call Hunter, but it's really now a tapestry game. My two favorite story arcs revolved around keeping secrets. Sure. I thought both of those moments that we had were absolutely incredible. So we had a fight against a big bad. Our characters were fighting an old world god that had inhabited basically a fake body, essentially. Like 
it not its original body and so it was weaker but they had to square off and they had to protect somebody who could help them beat this big bad and one of our characters died protecting the npc they needed to protect it was a player death that sucked it was a character death it was not a player death our player is fine uh it was a character death and that character had been in the group for what four or five years at that point yeah and so our party took it hard and in character had an in-character funeral for him told stories about him he was honored by the people we were defending it was like a really big thing and after the session i was like so hey player what do you want to re-roll what do you want to do and this was before all of our characters had taken on their templates they had started as normal hunters but were eventually going to get templates and he had wanted to be a mage and we were talking about how he could re-roll and could still end up being a mage and all this and we were like great and then i had the idea i was like hey there's another template in this game called geist where people come back from the dead bonded to a very powerful spirit how would you feel about that happening with your character and he instantly said that he loved the idea but we wanted it to feel special and as impactful as like his death had been and the funeral had been. So we didn't just want him to reappear. And so he and I decided that he was going to temporarily take over an NPC. We told the rest of the party that he was permanently taking over the NPC. He played it for about two months, I think eight or nine sessions. And then the next time we had a major combat, there was something from the woods messing with the enemy and when combat was over they realized that it was their old friend who had died who had clearly come back and it was a super cool moment yeah and look those are the big payoffs right those are the things that you hope that those big moments will be big moments in your game and by keeping it a secret you give it a better chance for that to happen but it also means you have like you had to work with that player and coordinate things and do stuff without any of us knowing and I also, like, had to make a character sheet for this NPC. Right. Who before had had, like, the streamlined NPC character sheet that, you know, you've got a couple stats and what the few skills you're really good at, and that's it. Right. Which is what this game tells you to do for most NPCs. And I had to be like, no, wait. In order for it... A little sheet. And Yeah. And in order for it to be even with our other characters, not only do I need a sheet, I need a what is it, 85 experience sheet. We've got to actually do this thing. That NPC went from being a pretty well-trained cop to being special forces. Yep. Who is, for some reason, a like lieutenant at the local Roanoke City Police, police Force. <laughs> You know, he had a stressful previous life. He's decided this is where he wants to retire. I don't know. But one of the other reasons that this reveal worked, and I would urge GMs when you are building a reveal story to make it a type of story you haven't told before. We had never had a deus ex machina in this game before. We had never had the mysterious stranger shows up to help or like the thing is helping you from off screen and you don't know what it is. And this Geist, when he came back, he had a power called Marionette, where he can use his powers to make inanimate objects like float and attack things. So they're fighting this big, bad, evil thing. And then trees, like parts of trees and tree trunks just start flying out of the woods and slamming into its side. And our party is like, well, that's helpful. And it was great that our first use of Deus Ex Machina, of this off-screen help, was a player coming back. Like, it was really cool. Also, this next story I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to include one of the biggest mistakes that you can make while uh, having a secret, because me and the player who was involved in the secret definitely made this mistake. And it worked out fine, but boy howdy, would our lives have been easier had we not screwed it up. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I know what the story is. Yeah, I think you do too. The first character to get a template in this Hunter game is now a changeling. And for those who don't know the Chronicles of Darkness setting, you know, it's based on the old fairy tales. Changelings are people who have been taken by the Fae. Like, not fun fairies, scary, unknowable monsters with zero conscience, and used for some purpose by the Fae, which has fundamentally changed who and what they are, and then they escape and come back, and they are permanently afraid and on the run and have PTSD and superpowers. Changeling. That's a fair description, right? You're you're laughing, but that's like a fair description. It's a good summary in a nutshell. And so we had a conflict, we had a combat against some basically agents of the Fae who were around for another reason. We were dealing with some other changelings and our character who wanted to be a changeling got isolated from the rest of the party in the combat scenario. Like, you know, was alone in a room with one of them fighting them for a second while the rest of the combat had moved. And I messaged them and said, you have now been replaced. You have been taken. You have been replaced by a fetch, which is a simulacrum of a person so that the people who know that person don't realize that they have been taken by the Fae. And one of the things that this setting does that I really love, the fetch doesn't know it's a fetch. The fetch, until it is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, believes it is the real person. It has their memories. It has their knowledge. It has everything. So I'm like, you've been replaced. You're the fetch. And so eventually what we wanted to do, and we had talked about this beforehand, is we were going to have the fetch start totally normal and then slowly start acting weird until the party figured out that the real person was missing and then the whole party was going to go into Arcadia where the Fae live and free their friend. Like that was going to be the whole story arc. What happened was, and here's the mistake, ladies and gentlemen, we did the changes to this character so slowly that the rest of the party thought it was character growth and not something wrong. And by the end, when you did something really big, like, well, that's just the, you know, the accumulation of like this year's character growth from when she starts to change. And we were like, oh, her character had been a very heavy drinker. We're going to have her not drink. She had been a, you know, ends justify the means person. Well, we're going to have her start saying that we can't do this because it'll hurt innocent people and like all of this. And we thought we were dropping huge thing after huge thing, but we had done it so slowly, like over the course of a year in real life that everyone else just thought it was character growth and so we had to like really go over the top by the end and basically have a full in-character meltdown and have some npcs be like hey she's weird before they finally figured it out and that didn't stop the reveal from being amazing that story arc of figuring that out and going to arcadia is still my favorite couple months of role-playing i've ever had But boy, would it have been better had we ramped up our things getting weird by 20%, right? (laughs) Then they might have figured it out in three months instead of a year. One of the best lessons that I learned from that, I mean, one, don't screw up like we did. But two, don't worry too much when you do mess up. Because the fact that that took so long and that this fetch fought us alongside our party for an in-game year meant that when we finally did rescue the person and do this thing, we got some really interesting role-playing where the person who had been taken was like, I'm going to kill this fetch because it's a monster that replaced me. And the rep party was like, yeah, but none of us would be alive if it wasn't for the fetch. And also, we would never have freed you if not for the fetch. And also, maybe the fetch is also a person. Just throwing that out there. And that led to some really interesting in-game conversations. And now the fetch is a part of the group. 
is as a trusted entity who is an ally of the party. So something else to consider. So I've played in a lot of Amber games. Amber is a diceless RPG, uh, which means it's all it's all based on your stats and the GM narrates things. It's very different. It's very fun. I love it. But the nature of the game assumes that you're keeping secrets from each other to the extent that sometimes the GM takes people in another room and, and talks with them when they're doing something else. And of course, the problem with that is then your GM is taking people in the other room and the rest of the group is just there. The thing about Amber that makes this a necessity and makes this a thing that your party has to deal with is that not only is it diceless, it is also fundamentally at minimum pseudo PVP and regularly actually PVP. Some explanation is in order, right? And Amber, there are four stats and everything comes down to using one of those stats. Other person with the better stat wins, but you know, there are extenuating circumstances. If you're poisoned, you're not going to be as good at a fight. If you're hungover, you're not going to be as good using your magical powers. Stuff like that. And that adds leeway for things to change. But that means that if you don't know another player's stats, you don't know how you can beat them. And so the game really tries to, to make that a mystery, right? In the beginning, there's an auction and people can can bid and take first place but then people can buy up after that also in amber the only time you actually know your sheet is when you make a character when the gm gives you experience he just says okay i'm giving you some experience give me a list of the things you want to buy and if you're willing to go into debt for them which means you never entirely know your sheet and what your stats are except for when you start the game which is a lot of fun like it is part of the fun of the game and the whole purpose of amber is everybody has their own goal yes and basically the game ends when one player achieves their goal. And so because there are a bunch of players, you do need to work together. So there is still a lot of party stuff, but you're working together against a particular player and there might be hidden alliances. It's a politics game. And if that is a thing you want, then Amber is, I think, the best politics RPG game I know of. It's freaking sweet. But if you want to adventure with some friends and not try and stab each other in the back, Amber is not the game for you. It's a different story if you do it that way. So one of the things that I do, I try not to have games where I'm going to take players away frequently. Not that it never happens, but it happens very rarely in our game. When I play a game like Amber, where I'm going to have to be taking players away regularly, or I once played another game where the whole group were spies on each other and you didn't know who was double agents and all that stuff and I had to take people away in other rooms a lot for that game too. I make sure that the players have something to do so they aren't bored while I am in the other room. Like when we played physically together with that super spies game, there are some really fun board and card games that are meant to be played for five or ten minutes. There are a few of these that are really good. Forbidden Island is one that is a lot of fun. It's a little board game. If you know the rules, it takes ten minutes to play a game. I would have these sitting on the table so that when I took a play out you guys could play once upon a dream or could play forbidden island or one of these games that's really really fast or could play a game of flux for those who don't know flux is a describe it as an uno like game where the rules change every turn people can keep changing the rules yeah and the cards like you know you'll hold a card that says this is how the rules change but at its core it's very uno-esque and it takes five or ten minutes to play and so i'm having a secret conversation with someone in the next room and everybody else is taking a break and playing flux and we come back and start playing 
playing again, and it's a blast. But again, that's more work for the GM. Yes, it is. I had to buy a bunch of small little games and keep them in my backpack, right? And you can't go past the fact that some players just don't like to do that. They don't like keeping secrets. They don't like the stress about it. And that's fair. Totally fine. Totally fine. And I think that's all we have on the subject. Session zero, the stuff, check with your players, have fun, like, right? Like we're here to find the fun. But sometimes the big moment of, ha ha, I've been keeping a secret for a year and we did something awesome is totally worth it. And I've even seen GMs try and work around it a little bit where they have off-screen scenes where they tell you something. Like the party leaves the graveyard and none of you see, but a hand pushes its way out of the grave. Something like that. So the player still gets some stuff that's happening without just telling them everything that's going on behind the screen. That's also a great thing to do. I should use that tool more often. I think that that's it for today. Once again, I'm Jared. This is Ryan and we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Intermezzo. We'll be back in just a few weeks with season two. So I hope you keep listening. Have a good day.